media outlets call for people to stop having kids to save the planet in order to fight climate change. Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter reveals social media platforms allegedly colluded with the Democrat Party during the 2020 election. Did you see that? Stanford University bans harmful language, and one word that is banned is the word American. This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys welcoming me into your living rooms. We have quite a bit to unpack for you today. There's there's this news story that actually gets recycled actually every year, every few years. I actually heard this about three years ago. And when I was an Uber driver in San Francisco and I would pick up tech workers, there was a common theme that I would actually get from tech workers between the ages of 25 and 35. And mind you, as an Uber driver, I would pick up a lot of conversations and they would ask me what I do. And I would tell them I'm either in public relations or I'm, I work in politics. And you have to keep in mind that whatever the topic came up, I'm an Uber driver. I don't want to piss anybody off. But one of the topics that would always get brought up in conversation back in 2019, and I'm seeing it now in the media, is the thought that people do not. People do not want to have kids because they fear climate change. They believe that if they bring in another child into this world, it's either going to add to the carbon footprint and it's going to affect the planet negatively in the next five to ten years, or they don't want to bring another human being because they do fear they, 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 they believe that Armageddon is on the horizon within our generation. And to prove the point, CNBC, they actually had a headline, Climate Change is Making People Think Twice About Having Children. The Washington Post, should you not have kids because of climate change? It's complicated. The Guardian, want to fight climate change? Have fewer children. The catastrophists, they are going to tell you that it is going to be Armageddon in, by 2030. And the Statue of Liberty is going to be underwater, as will the Golden Gate Bridge. But as I'm having this conversation, I have, I have to speak the language of people who are riding in my car, right? Because obviously, these talking points of not having kids because of climate change, it is not only, that topic isn't only happening in the halls of social media, like in Twitterverse. It's not remaining in the headlines of the CNBCs or, or the Voxes of the world or the Guardians of the world. This type of talking point is actually seeping through the average person who leans left. We're in California, right? And this actually has ramifications, right? But let me tell you what my talking point is, okay? When these people were in my car, I would always say to them, okay, imagine in the late 1920s, early 1930s, that a black woman living in the segregated South with already two children said, you know, I don't think I should have any more kids because I don't want to bring any more children into the world where there is literally institutional racism. There is government making laws that you can't serve somebody of color in a restaurant. Like that's literally a law by the government. There's literally people being lynched. There's crosses being burned on the front yards in the South. 
<laughs> excuse me. And imagine if that black woman took that point of view that people are taking in regards to climate change, and she says, I'm not going to have any more kids. I don't want them to face racism. If that woman took that point of view that these climate alarmists are taking in regards to race where it was really real at that time, then we wouldn't have the likes of Martin Luther King Jr. We probably take it a step further. We wouldn't have the Rosa Parks of the world to go even more common era. If a white female who was raising a child or knew she was going to be raising a child by herself and said, you know what? I can't raise this child by myself because I don't know what this child is going to face not in the world not having two parents. I don't know because there's just too many unknowns in the world, specifically being a single mother. We would not have Barack Obama. And I specifically bring this up because these alarmists, these should we have children because we might be facing an Armageddon-like, we're seeing increases of temperature, and it feels weird, right? I mean, not weird, excuse me. It feels real because every summer it feels like it's gotten hotter, like from 10 years ago, two to three degrees, two to three degrees hotter. That's what it feels like. So it feels real. These headlines, just on the surface, you might say, okay, I think there's some validity to it. But once you dig deeper, the solution to climate change isn't less children. It is more children. Media outlets call for people to stop having babies to save the planet. But yet, according to the Air Quality Life Index, in the United States, for example, air pollution has dropped by about 62% since the Clean Air Act was passed in 1970. Americans are living 1.4 years longer because of it. Similarly, in England, pollution has reduced since the passage of the Clean Air Act of 1956. I bring up these stats. I bring up these facts. Because the children that we have today could potentially be the answer for our solutions, could, excuse me, could potentially be the answer and the solutions to our issues tomorrow. When it comes to climate change, humans are good at mitigation and adaptation, but we're not good at prevention. We are not good at changing the way how we live our lives, you can't change our mannerisms. It's difficult to. But you can evolve our mannerisms. You can create new things that we didn't know we desperately needed. New people, excuse me, people who are born are going to come up with new ideas and create, innovate new things from healthcare. How do you know that somebody who's born yesterday in 40 years, is going to have the answer to breast cancer, is going to have the answer to leukemia. If we invest here in the United States in the STEM, science, technology, math, and engineering, aren't those four things the crux of saving science, saving the planet? 
What if we invested in that in the next 10 years? Not having kids to take these courses would negatively affect climate change. Not having kids. For example, fracking for natural gas has lowered our carbon emissions. Carbon dioxide emissions in the U.S. are at their lowest level in 20 years. And it's not because of wind and it's not because of solar. The thing when it comes to solving climate change, it's easy to rally people around a problem than it is to rally people around a solution. And that solution is kids. Even on the monetary front, to get better, to have better things, you need more money. Because with more money, you get more quality of life, get better homes. For example, in the South, it's not the fact that tornadoes or hurricanes have been increasing because of climate change. It's because we've been building more houses in the paths of hurricanes and tornadoes. More houses are being built in 2020 than in the 1920s. There are more people by population in the United States, and we're building houses where there is more tornadoes and more hurricanes. But the solution to that is creating a better product, building sturdier homes, building higher seawalls, adapting and getting better at products in the next 10 years that we don't even know existed today. Imagine in the 1980s if we got a sneak peek into 2020 and Elon Musk and SpaceX. I know Elon Musk, and we're going to actually get to this in just a second. Elon Musk isn't that popular right now amongst the left because he's obviously opened the gates to social media. But that's another way how we have gotten better. We have information at the tip of our fingers right now, that we can know like that than we did 20 years ago. And have you ever had that question where, what generation would you rather live in? And people say out of nostalgia, oh, I'd rather, I'd rather live in the 1990s. I mean, I've said it, right? And I say that out of nostalgia, because that is the time where either my parents, my grandparents, um, maybe those who have passed, were actually in their youth. And we just think how times were more simpler at that time. But in reality, the times where it's best to live in when it comes to the best resources possible is the now. You look at the adaptation from from the evolvement from gas-powered vehicles to electric vehicles. Yes, majority of cars, not all, but majority of cars are Teslas, and they're very expensive. They're, they cost around $60,000. Of course, you have a few Chevy Cobalts out there, but who drives a Chevy Cobalt? But the point that I'm saying is, that is another way that we are evolving our quality of life. The only problem with electric vehicles is you have this thing called a range anxiety. When you're low, you just can't go to any gas station or any electric station and just gas up. You have to actually plan it out. You have to look. Where are you at? How much longer do I have? Can I wait there for 20 minutes? Right now, 
it is our common human nature to buy our and our preference to buy a $20,000 car that gets 40 miles to the gallon rather than paying for a $60,000 car that the charge lasts me about 2 3 weeks or more but the people who are buying these teslas are at the upper echelon of society we're not there yet but the more that people are either born the more that people people who are born 10 years ago in the next 10 15 years they're going to be our leaders whether it's electric vehicles whether it's modern medicine whether it's technology whatever it may be we are living in the best in in the best time for the best technology if you have someone that had passed away of a cancer 30 years ago there's a good chance that had they lived right now or they had today's medicine 30 years ago, they'd still be alive. That's a good chance. So going back to people who use the excuse, I don't know if I should be having kids because of because I'm a catastrophist. I believe that climate change is 10 years from now, and we are contributing to our to our global emissions. The problem with that is the United States can if they wanted to, let's say they were to go to zero global emissions, zero, you still have second world countries like India and China that are still heavily polluting the world because those two countries don't have, don't have stringent air quality protections like we do in the United States, but most importantly, they're not as advanced as we are. That doesn't mean to say that Armageddon or that we're going to start having 150 degree temperatures over the next 5 to 20 years. I can actually go into this more, but it just comes down to this in simple terms. Children are the solution, not the problem. I'm going to end it like this. Over at Forbes, millennials will become the richest generation in American history as baby boomers transfer over their wealth. Jack Kelly writes, a study shows that millennials will hold five times as much wealth as they have today, and the group is anticipated to inherit over $68 trillion from the baby boomer parents by the year 2030. This will represent one of the greatest wealth transfers in modern times, and this actually goes back to quality of life, the standard of living. That, act, that makes a difference in how we as humans adapt to our surroundings, that we are willing to pay for things that cost more so that we can live better lives, live better quality, live a better quality of life. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Those are, those are fields that need to be filled by people who aren't born yet. Guys, I'm going to go to break. Elon Musk taking over Twitter. What it means for you, the left melts down. And part of it is because we soon realize that social media platforms literally or allegedly rigged the 2020 presidential election. Come back to me. This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez.
Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Over the last about week or two, Elon Musk actually uh, rolled out these uh, Twitter threads with a reporter. He's just one of the reporters, Matt Taibbi, formerly of the Rolling Stones. Matt Taibbi, politically speaking, is considered of the left. But these Twitter threads was actually showing that social media platforms, specifically Twitter and Facebook, were colluding with Democrat strategists, with Democrat politicians, on what information should be suppressed, what should be shadow banned, and what they actually want out there. Now, do I agree that the 2020 election was stolen? No, of course, because stolen means that people came into the voting booths and unloaded fake, fake voter sheets fake voter registrations. I don't think that happened. But what did happen is when major companies like Twitter, like Facebook, these two companies that monopolize speech, what they did is they took stories like the Hunter Biden laptop. They didn't allow that to get circulated. They suppressed it. Or they just made it look like it was fake news. 16% of Joe Biden voters were polled and said that had they found out that the Hunter Biden laptop was a real thing, they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. The left cannot have that because they have to be of the belief, whether you're a, whether you're a Donald Trump supporter or not, they have to have the belief that Joe Biden won the 2020 election fair and square and it wasn't even close. That's what the January 6th commission is. It's not just about some insurrection. It's not about thousands of people going on to the U.S. Capitol and trying to overthrow the government. You want to know why that's not real? You want to know why that's just a show? It's because not one Democrat on there, not one Democrat, has provided a plan on why that should never happen again. How do we prevent something like that? They are making things like that a spectacle. They are also suppressing speech on social media. And the reason why this affects you, the reason why this affects everybody, it's not just the 2020 election. It's not just that. But social media platforms are supposed to be this marketplace of free ideas. I remember back in my college days, when I was back in 2016, I was in college and we were out in the quad and I was, we were having a conversation with a classmate of mine. And I said, we were having about, uh, what is, is there hurtful speech? Is there, you know, how, how should free speech be regulated? Should you have your, your speaking locations? And I told her everything here in the United States is a free speech location. And what she said to me was, no, that's not true. And the reason why the left, not liberals, but the left can't have that is because the more speech you have, the more your speech gets cross-examined rigorously, the general public will be able to cross-examine and analyze two sides of what is happening of any subject, and the left fears that there will be one too many people 
that will actually agree with what they believe as hate speech. They believe that misinformation is misinformation is basically information that you don't like. For example, Jay Bhattacharya, who was known for the great uh, Barrington Declaration, Jay Bhattacharya was one of those doctors during the pandemic that said the vaccines do not prevent transmission. Masks do not have any effect on children. Those are the two main talking points that people like Jay Bhattacharya and other conservative commentators were saying that the vaccines will not prevent transmission. Fast forward to 2022, 2023, fact check true. That is correct. The vaccines do not prevent transmission. But you go back to 2020 and speech like that was being suppressed. At what point, at what point does suppression of speech become another form of propaganda? As a conservative here in California, I'm a, I'm a conservative. Make no bones about it. My views are constantly cross-examined. That's a good thing. I want ideas, the best ideas to be out there. Not just my ideas, all ideas. Because in a free exchange of ideas, the free marketplace of ideas, you can say the most vile, the most stupid, the most racist thing. But in a free exchange of ideas, where speech isn't suppressed, but all speech is amplified, the worst speech will find itself at the bottom on its own, organically. The best speech will want to be seen by everybody. The worst speech, by nature, will be forced out on its own in the hemisphere of conversation. If you don't believe me, Mein Kampf, the book written by Hitler, was written while he was in prison. Talk about speech and harmful speech. Stanford, Stanford University bans harmful speech. One of those words is American. We're going to get to that in just a second. Got to go to break. Come back to me. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. You know, one of the major, I guess, conversation subjects in 2022 is free speech. But most importantly, it's we don't know what offends you. And you you look at comedy, which has actually been the victim of Karen's per se. Comedy has been the victim of people who had their feelings hurt. You look at Dave Chappelle, Chris Tucker. Many of them don't even like going to comedy clubs. Joe Coy. They have to really be on their P's and Q's. But at this point, Dave Chappelle is almost uncancelable. But you want to talk about words that that are put on a... Uh, on a harmful list. Stanford University, 
came out with a list. I'm going to share that with you. If you're following me on YouTube, you can find me on uh, on my mind on YouTube. The Daily Mail, Jessica Warren at the Daily Mail writes, American grandfather, brave, and master. Word Stanford University includes in its index of harmful language because they are ableist, sexist, or racist. Warren continues, Stanford University has published an index of harmful language that it wants to eliminate because the terms are ableist, ageist, or racist, including the words American, as it calls for U.S. citizens to be used instead. So their vernaculars, language has consequence. For example, here's an example. You can't go from it's as American as apple pie to it's as U.S. citizen as apple pie, all because your feelings are hurt. The university revealed the plan in May and wants to remove the word from its IT systems and websites. And it continues. So here are some of the words. They don't want Americans. They don't want American. They want U.S. citizen. They don't want walk-in. They want drop-in. Why? Walk trivializes people with disabilities. Grandfather. Instead of grandfather, legacy. Why? Grandfather clause denied black people the ability to vote. Okay, when people use the word grandfather, they don't use it as, hmm, you know, I'm going to use this word because I know back then people like weren't able to vote. Like, Words evolve over time. Words even take on meaning over time. New meaning through culture over time. Taking on this victim mentality. You have to ask, doesn't it have to be exhausting? Here's the last two. Kill two birds with one stone. Instead, they want you to use do two things at once. Why? Promotes animal cruelty. Have you ever said kill two birds with one stone and then thought, man, you're an animal abuser. I hope PETA doesn't catch me. But here's what all of this actually means. And I think it actually has more of an effect. Not on, not just that it's hurting, not that it's hurting my feelings or hurting your feelings. Is we should be teaching our children resiliency, strength. And I mean, going back to like, I'm in my 30s. Do you guys ever remember when you were younger, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? There's effects to this, to this type of mentality, this victimhood. That because of this, and you're starting to see people become self-proclaimed victims because of these words, you're starting to see an increase of depression, an increase of suicidality. And we should be teaching our kids to be resilient, to be kind, to be graceful, to be understanding, but most importantly, have strength. Not just strength as in muscle strength, but how to overcome adversity. Like I said earlier, it's not like these topics that I'm telling you how 
it, it doesn't stay at Stanford, where Stanford is taking out these words like the word American. The reason why is because these students that are in these halls of, of, of colleges like Stanford, they will end up in the real world. They're being at a young age where their front, where their frontal lobe is still growing at 18, 19, 20 years old. These young adults are being inculcated with these values that are starting to be normalized. So when they go out into the real world and you and they start saying, don't, don't call me an American, call me a U.S. citizen, people are going to start looking at them and saying, what? And then they're going to get their feelings hurt. And then you, that's when you see an increase of depression, an increase, unfortunately, of suicidality. So again, this doesn't just start and stop in the halls of social media or MSNBCs. These actually, thoughts like this, these trying to erode these words that now are hurting the feelings of people, these have consequence. And it's coming to a school, an elementary school near you. Make sure you make sure you look at what your kids are learning in school. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez.